Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, April the 3rd, in the year of our Lord, 2023. And we are getting ready for the highest worship service of the year this coming Sunday, Easter. And there are three readings that are assigned for Easter. And these readings are from Acts chapter 10, Colossians chapter 3, and Matthew chapter 28. Now notice, there's none from the Old Testament, because during the Easter season, we celebrate Easter using the readings from the book of Acts instead. Now, yesterday, in many churches, it's referred to as Palm Sunday, but in the three-year reading system that we use, that reading was also Sunday of the Passion. There was no reading at all about the palms or this sort of thing. That occurred back in Advent because Advent is about his coming, and he came into Jerusalem. And that's when Palm Sunday was celebrated in this system of readings. So yesterday we had a lengthy reading from Matthew about what was happening to Jesus on the cross. And after the worship service, people came to me and said, we learned two things that we were not clear about. Uh, Number one was they had not realized that when Jesus was on the cross, people from the graves actually rose from the dead after his resurrection and appeared to others in Jerusalem. That was a very interesting item. And the second item they learned was that both thieves railed against Jesus. What we were doing there was making the point that all seven words from the cross are not found in one gospel. Matthew doesn't have the word where Jesus says to the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. In other words, the fact is, is that that thief also railed against Jesus. Both thieves did. But as the one thief heard the words of Jesus and saw his attitude on the cross, he came to believe in Jesus Christ and therefore said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. So that was preparatory for Easter Sunday. Now, We could go to Matthew 28 that talks about Easter Sunday with Mary Magdalene and the other Mary going to the tomb and a great earthquake had occurred an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, rolled back the tomb and they said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you see Jesus who is crucified He is not here, for he has risen. And when they departed from the angel, 
Jesus met them and said, Greetings. They came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Now that's really important because they knew Jesus is God. Now the reading we're going to be taking a look at is actually Acts chapter 10. This is uh, experience that Peter had. You may remember that he was on a rooftop waiting for a meal. And what happened in a vision about the sixth hour when he was praying, the heavens opened, a great sheet descended, let down by its four corners upon the earth, and in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air, but they were unclean. And so in verse 14 of chapter 10, when Peter is told to kill and eat them, he says, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him, what God has made clean, do not call common. So Peter was really confused, it says, in verse 17, about the vision that he had seen, what it had meant. And then the Holy Spirit says to him in this vision, three men are looking for you. Rise down, rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And in verse 22, they say, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you, Peter, to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So Peter went the next day to jo from Joppa and accompanied the men to Caesarea. Now, Cornelius was expecting them and therefore had called together his relatives and close friends. And when Peter entered the room, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. In other words, I'm not God. And he went in and found many persons gathered. And then Peter said, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent, I came without objection. And Cornelius said, why did you send for me? For four days ago, Cornelius says, I was praying in my house and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. This is very close uh, to what happened to the women at the grave. The angel appeared to them in bright clothing. And the angel said to Cornelius, now this is a centurion. That means he's Roman 
He's a Gentile. Your prayer has been heard. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you, Cornelius says to Peter, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded to say to us by the Lord. So verse 34 actually begins the reading for Easter. But I wanted to give you a little background that this is in the home of a Gentile Roman centurion. A centurion was a soldier kind of in command of a hundred other soldiers. That's why he's called a centurion, century, 100 years. So here we begin. Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. Now, what does that mean? What is partiality? If you express partiality, it is an unfair bias in favor of one person compared to another. So you may say, well, I, I prefer people in the United States. I don't like Europeans. Or when I went to Russia, I could have said, well, I would prefer somebody who speaks English, not somebody who prefers Russian. But I went anyway. And for three weeks, I taught about law and gospel. I spoke English, and I had a woman with me who would translate what I was saying into Russian. At least I hope she was translating it properly. I couldn't tell. But they came to know what we mean by the distinctions between law and gospel. And I showed no partiality towards them. Uh, even though at the time I was there, the Olympics were on, and there was a, a big hockey game between the Russians and the Americans. And of course, I was for the Americans, and everyone else in the room was for the Russians, and at that time, the Russians won. <laughs> and so they were all making fun of me that the American hockey team lost. But we were having good fun. It was really wonderful talking to these people because they were seminarians becoming Lutheran pastors. And in fact, just last year, working with Concordia Mission Society as their treasurer, we ended up sending over $200,000 to Novosibirsk to the seminary to help it going and be training more pastors. So when Peter says, I understand that God shows no partiality, this means that in his mind, there's not really an advantage to being Jewish over being a Gentile when it comes to the kingdom of God. In, in fact, in the four congregations I'm helping with right now, I'm unaware of any Jewish person. 
I, I did have Jews that had become Lutheran in my fourth congregation of 28 years, but I'm unaware of any in these congregations. And so they're all Gentiles, but they get the very same message as we preach to the Jews. God shows no partiality, which means what? Verse 35. This can be really a confusing verse. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Well, doesn't that sound like work righteousness? But no, it doesn't. In fact, if you remember Luther's small catechism, the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. What does this mean? Luther explains, we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. This is the message of the Bible. To fear him is a recognition that, boy, he could send us to hell. He has every right to do that. We even confess in worship, we are poor, miserable sinners, deserving nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. But in repentance, we turn to Jesus and ask him to forgive our sins, which he then does as the pastor, by the authority of Jesus, forgives our sins. This is a wonderful message that needs to be heard each Sunday as we remember our sins that we have committed, said, or thought during the week. So this text here, who fears him, that fear is kind of like the fear we have of parents. If you ask a child, do you fear your parents? Their first would be, no, I, I'm not afraid of mom or dad. But then when you remind them that they could be disciplined and even punished for doing wrong, do they fear that discipline and punishment? Oh, yes, yes. I, I don't like being punished. And being born with original sin, it's important, uh, according to the book of Proverbs written by Solomon, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that parents discipline their children because they are not born with the thoughts of God in their head. Now, they can receive faith in baptism. So when you discipline them, which also means for them to become a disciple of Jesus, they begin to learn what is the proper lifestyle of a Christian. It's the life of sanctification, which is a lifestyle in which we thank God for all that he has done for us on the cross and the resurrection. So Peter continues with his message to Centurion, I'm sorry, to Cornelius in Centurion and also his friends, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ. That's what it says. 
in verse 36. And he reminds them, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning with from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now, when did that occur? Well, that was the baptism of repentance that Jesus underwent. And remember, the Holy Spirit descended like heaven as a a dove and alighted upon Jesus and entered him. And he, therefore, was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power to forgive sins and to heal people. And then verse 38 continues, Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. In fact, remember the name of Jesus given to Mary by Gabriel? His name will be called Emmanuel, which is really three Hebrew words, meaning God with him. So, Peter continues, and we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Now they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. Now, Jesus is God. How could he die? He died because he also was incarnate. He had become a human being. And therefore, as a human being, he became hungry, which God never becomes. He became tired, which God never becomes. He died, which, as God alone, never would have become. So he became incarnate for the purpose of dying on the cross to pay for your sins. Peter says, were witnesses to that, that put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Now, God here is referring to God the Father, but we also can find in the Bible that the Holy Spirit also raised Jesus from the dead, and Jesus himself raise himself from the dead. It's kind of like the act of creation. All three of them participated in the creation. Just go to Genesis, the first three verses. God the Father created the world. The Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the waters. And Jesus said, let there be light. Nothing was created except by Jesus, according to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God, and he created all things. So Jesus appeared, but did he just appear to the disciples on the day of the resurrection? No, he appeared to many people, to those who had been chosen by God as witnesses. In fact, 
At one time, it says he appeared to 500 disciples who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Now, why is that important? I remember doing a Sunday school lesson, and we were doing it with, of course, lay teachers, and I asked the question, is Jesus still a human being in heaven? And I was surprised to hear two or three of them say, no, he's not. He is now God. And I corrected them by pointing out that no, Jesus is still a human being in heaven. But what has happened is that his humanity has received all the benefits of his divinity. In his humanity, he's omniscient. That means he knows all things. He's omnipowerful, omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. And he's also omnipresent, which means as a human being, he's everywhere. That, that's really important to understand because some people, some churches, think that when they take the Lord's Supper, they're not really receiving the body and blood of Jesus because that's in heaven. They're only receiving a kind of picture or vision of Jesus in the Lord's Supper. It's symbolic of his body and blood, not really his body and blood. But Jesus doesn't say that. In fact, in chapter 10, it says very clearly in 1 Corinthians, is not the bread which we eat the body of Christ? Is not the cup from which we drink the blood of Christ? So we believe, teach, and confess that it is body and blood. Jesus is still human. And we receive within ourselves his own body and blood and therefore have an assurance of the forgiveness of our sins. And that's why Jesus ate and drank with the disciples, showing that he was still a human being. Verse 42, And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. Now, that's something else a lot of people may not be aware of. When they ask, who's going to be your judge on the day of judgment? Is it God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit? Many people will say, God the Father, because that's who appeared in on Mount Sinai to Moses. But Jesus also appeared on Mount Sinai in the burning bush. But no, it's Jesus who is going to be your judge. That's a wonderful judge for those who trust in him. Because when you trust in Jesus, you have received the gift of the forgiveness of sins, which means no sin that you ever have done by thought, word, or deed will you be held accountable for. 
all those sins were placed upon Jesus, your Redeemer, whom God the Father, as the Ancient of Days in the book of Daniel, sent his Son, the Son of Man, to earth to redeem the world. And Peter says, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who what? Obeys him? No. Everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins through his name. And while Peter is still saying this wonderful good news, the Holy Spirit falls on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. That's, of course, the Jews. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles because they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter then declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? That was at the day of Pentecost. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for a number of days, continuing to testify to them the greatest news that they had ever heard. So this is what Peter means when he began his speak. I understand that God shows no partiality. He learned about that with the vision on the roof that all the unclean food was now declared clean. And you, whether Gentile, Jew, you also have been declared clean because of the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross. That's the point of Easter Sunday. Join us Monday for another understanding of law and gospel as we look at further verses. God Listen bless to law you. Listen to Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.